We had a really special treat in studio with us today. Janelle Nadeau is a Manitoba-born, internationally renowned harpist performing at Club Region Event Centre on Tuesday. And she came in today with her harp and played some Christmas music for us. She's a wonderful woman, she's a wonderful musician, and we were so thrilled to have her back in studio. Here's a question for you. Should Rusty the Dog from St. Boniface Hospital, the late Rusty the Dog, should Rusty be part of the Winnipeg Citizens Hall of Fame? Because there's a move to make that happen. Are you hitting the road this December, flying to see family or friends? What's it going to cost you to do that? And on the subject of December, we asked you, what are some of your favorite December traditions? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Loren McNabb and Greg Mackling, who's back next week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, December 1st podcast for The Start. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is taking the day off. You saw gas price at what on the way in today, Loren? One thirty-eight. Ooh! I, I had I almost made that exact noise. Well, looky, looky. Yeah. So it was on Marion just after I you turned south off Lajemodier. No, west. What direction is that? Doesn't matter. Left. I'm turning west. left. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. My though. dad, farmer dad, would be so upset with my. <laughs> Getting that wrong. So it was the co-op and the Domo there, 138. And then as you go farther down the road, it's back around 143 at most spots. But uh, I was happy to see that because for a lot of reasons for the commute, but that feels like getting back to more reasonable territory. Well, we've had listeners in, I think, like Winkler Morden tell us that that, the price was around that range. And even when I was in Morden over the summer, the, the gas was significantly cheaper there than it was in the city, but I, I've been seeing 149. Like the, I think even that we were talking about this in the last couple of weeks, and I was saying that at the Shell in my neighborhood in Osborne Village, it was 152.9. But when I got home that day, it was 149. So mm. for all I know, it had already been that, and I just didn't notice, and I didn't notice what the price was today. But that's encouraging that it's made its way into Winnipeg. Yeah, because also I think you know, and we're going to talk about this more after seven. Just travel at this time of year and the costs that go into it. But there might be people who were planning road trips to go see loved ones, you know, whether it's for Hanukkah or Christmas or whatever you might be wanting to do over the break. It also might encourage you to say, like, if it gets a little lower, maybe I can add that to my trip because we, well, we at Christmas time as a family when I was little used to go all the way to Revelstoke in a car. Um, Just was a family of six, cheaper to drive than fly. But even that cost, when the gas was around two, you know, a year ago, that that would have been really prohibitive, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. You went every year to Revelstoke? Not every year, sir. It would be like, we definitely did that road trip four or five times. Oh, boy. How long did that take? Oh, an eternity. So many fights, so many, like, angry snaps, Yeah, you know, just at each other. But it would be, it's some of your best memories, right? Did you have to, you would make stops along the way. We'd I make guess. stops along the way. We had family along the way in Saskatoon that we'd stop in and stay. Um, there was one or once or twice you might do a hotel, but usually we stayed with people we knew. Okay. And back then, like in the beginning when we were doing these road trips, I don't, I remember we'd lay the suitcases flat on the ground, like in the back seat. And then put a blanket over, and then you just had like one big bed because there was no seatbelt rules <laughs> yeah. at that time, right? Yeah. And we had a huge station wagon, like one of those big ones. They called it the boat. Yeah. And it got it was green originally, and then it turned brown from rust. But it was it was huge, <laughs> and we just barreled down the highway on that bad boy. Yeah, that'd be fun. And now, and I guess now, if you were to take that trip, you like how old were you when you first started doing this? One time we did the train. Okay. Threw up on my brother on that trip. When I I think I was six or seven maybe, and then we did them in, a lot in our teens. Because you how long how long do kids have to stay in those seats now those car seats? Till they're twenty one. <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah. yeah it, 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 the rule is um, you have to be at least eighty pounds. I think. Okay, so it's not necessarily an age thing. It's no. a size. So so that could take some kids way past ten. Yeah. To get there. Okay. It's I, not the prohibitive ones. Like the, the the restraining ones, first of all, you have to keep them facing backwards for a certain amount of time. Then they flip into the forward-facing structure. And then when you get older, they just go on the booster seats. So it's not like they're fully strapped in, but it's still safety. It's But yeah. not what I did as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> same year. Same year. We would 
we had a station wagon too, and sometimes we would just be in the back part of it, lying down. Come with, like we went to see a movie at the drive-in, and then uh, and we just stayed back there as we drove home. Yeah, yeah. all the time. It was fun though. It was fun. The car seat stuff sounds complicated, and you know what else has co- turned into a rather complicated situation? An end is what it is, and a grasshopper is what it is, and Christmas sir is a humbug. Good day. Yeah. <laughs> the humbug sign. Oh, so it was such a good story on Monday to know that they were taking that humbug sign, one great city brewing, and putting it on the roof. Then we talked to them yesterday and learned that the landlord had basically said, "Take it down for a wide variety of reasons." And then last night, I see another update uh, from both them that was retweeted by the mayor, who said he was happy the office was able to work with One Great City for a solution. One Great City said, you know what, like this has turned into a negative conversation because there was initially the landlord had said, we don't want any sort of Christmas religious, any sort of symbols. I don't know if you call humbug that, but it is from a Christmas carol, which, yeah. yeah. So that was also said to the brew pub by the landlord that the sign has restrictions about size and I don't know, whatever. So they moved it inside for like five hot minutes. And now the news is, is that it's going to be on top of the fire station on Portage and the city has helped worked with one great city um, to facilitate that. And the statement from one great city says in the words of Ron Burgundy, that escalated quickly. (laughs) (laughs) And they went on to say, no, our landlord is great. We've been on location since 2017. Um, We've got lots going on after discussion. We we agreed that we didn't mind moving it inside. And now we've talked to the mayor's office and we're moving it to the fire hall at Portage Avenue at Route 90, which I think we can both agree is is good, a, a better solution. Yeah, for sure. And now it's outside again and people I know it's not in the exact location, but still that a lot of people are going to see that now that it's on Portage Avenue. So I think that's great. And humbug, by the way means deceptive or false talk or behavior. And in the context of A Christmas Carol, uh, Dickens uses it to suggest fraud. Since Scrooge, (laughs) the old curmudgeon that he is, considers the celebration of Christmas and all the festivities associated associated with it to be a total sham. Okay. Well, it kind of works then in in and around this conversation about about what they had to go through for the sign because the brew pub went on to say, you know, we built the sign because we love it and we love the tradition. We wanted to bring joy. Everything was done in the spirit of positivity. We are concerned. Some of that has been lost. Please, please, please. Everyone involved from our landlord to the city are working in the best interests. No good guys, no bad guys. The sign is now up again or going to go up. I don't know. Let us know. It'd be more fun if it just moved around the city. It could be like a traveling humbug sign. <laughs> like, a, like an elf on the shelf. Yeah. Like you never an know elf where the humbug the is going to show up. The elves might be coming out in your house today. That's one of the traditions that uh, our family took on. And that elf, he's a busy guy. He's a real <laughs> thorn in my side, that elf. <laughs> It is McGarry McNabb. Mackling is off today, and we have tickets to give away for either Ram Motorsports in February at Canada Life Centre or a vehicle pass for Canada's Winter Wonderland, which starts today, tonight, at Red River Exhibition Park, and that runs through until January 6th. So now that December has arrived, let's talk December traditions. And it doesn't necessarily have to be related to the holiday season, but is there something you enjoy doing, enjoy eating, perhaps enjoy wearing only in December, or maybe there's something that you wait until December 1st to put out in your home, or I don't know, maybe you're craving food or drink that you only ever think of at this time of year. Random example for me would be shortbread cookies. Like I never, ever think about shortbread cookies, but for once December rolls around, I suddenly crave shortbread. Do you have a go-to or someone you know who makes them? Oh no! I just uh, I can't remember the I can't brand. Yeah, the the, the the name of the brand, but there's a because it, it came in a. We got them at work. Somebody, I think somebody, the listener may have just brought in some sort like a uh, a gift basket of treats, and one of them was these shortbread cookies. And I'm like, I haven't had one of these since I was a kid, and I love this. But I only ever like I never go. Wouldn't be I wouldn't go to the store in July and be like. Got a hankering for some shortbread cookies. <laughs> so 204-780-6868. What do you look forward to at this time of year? Skylar Peters in for Cameron Portress. Let's start with you, young man. I uh, am just finalizing my plans to go home to Brandon at Christmas time. And I cannot wait for the first nap on the downstairs couch mm. in my parents' place with like two blankets on me. Usually I throw the space heater and kind of like vaguely point it in my direction. 
put on like Sports Center or whatever's on the TV at that time. And usually that's like a boxing day, day after Christmas, you know, pretty wiped after having the family over because we always have the family over. So uh, I would say that is my uh, tradition I'm looking forward to most. And the Starbucks Winter Blend Coffee that's at uh, Costco right now. It's just unbelievable. That too. just went from wholesome to corporate in like a real. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but I get- There's nothing wrong with that. But I was like, yeah. I was like all in, just picturing Skylar just resting, like having a little snore on, and then all of a sudden yeah. you're like, and Starbucks. Well, this, yeah, I, honestly, I just had a sip of this office coffee, which I'm not a huge fan of. And I was like, Man, I should have made some before I came here today. But <laughs> that, that's that's actually a, a great something I w- hadn't thought of. At the nap at your oh, parents' place. So good. Like, I, I I, can't tell you how many times I go see my dad, and I'll get there, and, like, within 20 minutes, I'm like, dude, I got to lie down. <laughs> this is just something comforting about yeah. being home. Exactly. Right? Uh, Sarah, what about you? Mine started out as a tradition when I was younger, and it always starts on December 1st, Advent calendars. And back ah. in the day, my Ooh. mom would, like, make them for us. Like, just little, like, she'd buy, like, little, like, dollar store toys type of thing and put it in, like, this handmade calendar and put it in, like, little pockets, like, 1 to 25 or 1 to 24. Some of them go to 25. But now... Um, I just buy the chocolate one for myself, <laughs> just have a little treat every day. And then my mom actually did send me like a, a box of 25 days of tea. I think she's honestly just trying to clean up the cupboards, but it's still a nice <laughs> thought Aww. and I do love tea. So there's like 25 different like single serve teas. So just to have one every day. That's a nice idea. Yeah. Do you not feel like advent calendars have really exploded? Oh my god! In yeah. terms of oh, there's like dog one treat ones. Yeah. yeah, it's for beer. For, I was gonna say yeah, the beer one, or yeah, there's one with the LC. It's just mm-hmm. like filled with booze. There's yeah. one for everything. And those beer ones, they are not small. Like if no. <laughs> like if you go into an LC or a beer vendor to buy an advent calendar, that is a commitment mm-hmm. to if it's a gift or <laughs> just for yourself. Because it, I, I even asked them once, like. What does one of those things weigh? I'm like, I don't know, but uh, it looks pretty cumbersome. <laughs> but it also looks pretty fun. I think uh, one of the specialty wine, I want to say it's G.J. Andrews, but it could be one of the others in town, has a wine one too. And mm-hmm. it's 200 milliliter, 250 milliliters of wine every like That's like a glass every single day. <laughs> You know, on the odd Get Tuesday, I might want to take a day off. My liver hurts. <laughs> Forte, what about you? Well, my best friend, he moved uh, to London, uh, Ontario, not England, London, Ontario, uh, a few years ago. So every Christmas he comes home and me and my friends, we all get together and, you know, get to see him. So that is what I'm really looking forward to. But I'm also looking forward to wearing my Bad Santa shirt. It has, you know, Bad Santa and Thurman Merman on it. And it says, what do you want? (laughs) (laughs) And I I wear that and I watch Bad Santa. So that's uh, something I do uh, every, every December. (laughs) <laughs> what do you, I'm looking forward to seeing that shirt. Loren, what about you? Oh, there's so many things. Like, there's the stuff around the day, for sure. But I try not to put the music on until December 1st, just because I think I'd get sick of it. But at the same time, I, I want to feel festive for the whole time. And I, I just said to Brett this morning, like, you could make a turkey at any time in the year, and for, but I don't. And I, like, have stopped myself in the last couple of weeks from even grabbing the one in the freezer at the grocery store. I don't know why, because I'm saving it. Christmas, but then I since have signed up for two Christmas meals that our building and our company are doing in hopes that Me I just yeah. get more turkey and gravy. <laughs> like, I don't know why. I can, I can make that at any point in the year, and I'm holding off, and now I want it really bad. I so. think I think the turkey industry must have, like, just the craziest splits out of, like, any, yeah. any like, produce or, or, you know, feed or any sort of, like, food-based product, because it's, like, October and then November for the states, obviously, with their Thanksgiving just happened in December, and then, like... January, February, I'm like, I don't want to even no, think of a turkey. No, so it's a good point. How do they go the rest of the year? How do they get convince you to have it in, like, July, turkey in July? <laughs> Big Daddy Taz was just saying, as a comedian, he loves December because it's the best time to do comedy. Everyone's in a good mood. So your jokes are landing every yeah. single time. So oh! It's like, it's like when you go to a wedding, you can't really screw up being an MC because people usually are happy. Unless it's a terrible match. So maybe an X is there. <laughs> um, I have screwed up at being an MC, though. I left a microphone on once, Uh-oh. and uh, the mm. battery ran out. So everybody had to go to the other side of the room and use the DJ's mic with no podium. 
Oops, I learned a, learned a lesson that day. Wow. Turn off the mic. Well, people the aren't DJ as have, mad. Yeah, yeah. shouldn't the DJ have extra batteries? Yeah, that's know. on them. Like, right. no, come on. <laughs> I thought you meant like you left the microphone on and in the background, Brett could be heard saying, this couple's never going to work. They're not going to get anywhere. I can't, I I can't believe so he got much. her. He's so ugly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so at 204-780-6868, your December traditions doesn't have to be related to the holidays. But whatever it is, whether it's a place to take a nap or a treat you like to enjoy at this time of year or something you like to wear or something you like to do, 204-780-6868. Anyone out there have plans to hit the road this month? Or like maybe you got a flight booked to see a friend or family member for the holidays? If you haven't booked that trip by now, I think you're in trouble, at, at least to certain destinations. I mentioned in the last half hour that out of curiosity, we have family in Edmonton. I look to see what it would cost to get uh, our family of four there because we just have a handful of days off. Of course, we know flights are going to cost more, but I did not expect the total to come in at more than four grand and there was limited direct flights. And so it just seemed ridiculous to me. Uh, You might want to be hitting the road by car. Gas prices are coming down. So maybe that's making it more affordable to you, but it's still uh, it's still a, a, a concern for many on the cost of travel. Period. Marty, Marty Firestone is the president of Travel Secure and our go-to travel expert. Good morning, Marty. Good morning. How are you? I'm flummoxed over the cost of my own trip, which is I'm stumbling here, just thinking about what it might cost to get me to Edmonton. I know things cost more at Christmas, Marty, but some of this feels like gouging. Is it, or is that unfair? It's, it's not as much gouging as what's happening now is the flight schedules have been reduced. And with that comes less seats available. And when there's less seats available, then the cost goes up because it's all about supply and demand. So it's, it's really a question of there's not a lot of seats and you have to take what you have and what you get. And that's one of the frustrating things about just wanting to travel within Canada. Like it's cheaper to go to Europe than, than it is to go to Halifax. Well, <laughs> You got a point there. Again, that's because of the regionality now of the airlines with WestJet being out west, with Air Canada being east, with a lot of flights from hub cities, or I should say cities that are not hubs now having to connect. It just becomes very confusing, unlike anything we're used to. Is there any idea or sense that that's going to change or go back to the way it used to be? Like when I think of the effort to get places now, there's just Winnipeg does not have a lot of direct flights to certain destinations that we might have even three years ago. Is that just the after effects of the pandemic, the pilot shortage we've talked to you about in the past? Like what's going on that that makes that feel like that might be more of a permanent fix? Yeah, it's a combination of, of all of what you just said. And it's about profit margins and it's about being more effective. And that's at the end of the day, that's what it's about. You're going to get places that just say we handle this area. Others that say we're going to only work out of these and a lot of connections. As I said earlier, they're not flying direct out of some of the other cities. And there is the dreaded word connections. The minute that comes into play, that's when delays, cancellations, missed flights, missed cruises and all of this falls apart. Are there any deals to be had this holiday season? There's. There's the odd one. Here's what I recommend definitely that you at least consult with your travel agent or all these search engines. Some of them are really helpful and some of them will get you the lowest prices out there and available. But at this point, they are few and far between. So that's air travel. If I'm hitting the road, Marty, and looking at hotels, rental cars, what do I need to consider? Rental cars, still a problem. Three years ago, it was, was, of course, non-existent with COVID. And then now it's come back and it is very difficult. Just down in Florida, as an example, people are renting for the Christmas holidays. I am blown away by the prices that they are paying for uh, a car rental for that period. It's really scary. So ideally, drive your own car down south if you're going. At least you have control over the cost with respect to that. And hotels... Again, there's lots of choices, a lot of different hotels. When you get there, you're going to find out that doesn't include daily cleaning. This doesn't include that. There's a whole bunch of new things out there now for hotels to be more cost effective, but you don't get all the services. When it comes to rental cars, what about insurance? I'm just wondering, like, uh, if I'm taking a trip and I'm going to need a rental car, should I? where should I seek out the insurance? Because I imagine if you get it straight from the, you know, the, the, the vendor, it would probably be pretty expensive. 
I, I think the best advice I can give there is to check with your broker in, in, in your city that you have and see what your current car insurance on your car insurance in your province covers. And then maybe you don't have to take additional or they suggest you do. But it's really it's about knowing what you have currently as to whether you need to buy additional. What are you talking about with costs for rentals? Do you have a sense, Marty? You, you mentioned it just being astronomical. No, I just myself came back from a five-day short trip in Fort Lauderdale, and the the car, which was not an SUV by any means, not big, for five days came out to five hundred and eighty U.S. dollars. That, mm. that, that's a lot of money when you think about it. If you were staying down there two or three weeks, that's a significant amount of money. Before we let you go, Marty, I just came back from a trip, and on every leg of it, they had to ask people to hand over their carry-ons because they did not have room for all the carry-ons. And nobody obviously wants to pay more for checked luggage. So everyone's doing the carry-on these days. Do you see that changing at any point or airlines adjusting that rule where we'll also have to pay for the carry-on? Yeah, what I see is definitely like when we didn't have to work out of our office anymore because of COVID and when we went on Zooms and we realized you could hold a meeting like that, same thing with carry-on. It becomes a very convenient way of traveling and it's happening more and more. But what I can tell you is if you're not like on Air Canada Zone 1 or 2, you can forget having your carry-on on your plane. They're going to definitely take it from you and put it underneath. So that's just a word of warning. I think any of the three, four and five zones, you're not having the bag on the plane with you. Marty Firestone, president of Travel Secure. Thank you very much for the time as always, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Take care. It's McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today. We're asking you about December traditions. Now that December is here, for many, it's the fit, the best month of the calendar. And uh, we're asking you, are there? do you have any traditions, not necessarily related to the holiday season, could just be a seasonal thing or time of year, but... What do you like for traditions, stuff you like to wear maybe only in December or stuff that you like to eat or drink only in December? And what does Ron say? Ron says cheese fondues. Okay. I wonder why that would be just a December thing. It's it's certainly more of like a gather around with people and have some fun. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's associated with the, the gathering component. Yeah. That's one of the things that I look forward to about December. I don't have the gas in the tank to do what I to do it the way I used to. But there was one year, I think it was like seven or eight, maybe eight, whatever, a few years ago, where like every Friday, Saturday from late November through December, I had plans like people and people were reaching out to me mid-November to book me because they knew that awesome. I like to do this. And they're, and they're like, oh, we haven't booked our drinks yet. I'm like, okay, hold on. Let me check my calendar. Well, I think I can do December. No, no, December 4th. I have something there. Uh, I can slot you. In. And it, I don't do that as much, but I still have a couple of people that like I've already booked. Like, okay, when are we doing our Christmas drinks? Oh, it's so hard these days. We did a whole exchange the other night, uh, me and a couple of friends, about trying to get all our families together. And what about this date? What about that? We still haven't landed on anything. We're going to do something obscure like a Tuesday from 115 to 117. (laughs) It started off off as being a potluck. We're just going to bring something. It's going to be great. Kids will get together, play outside. Maybe if it's warm, we'll have a fire. And now it's like, can we even, do we have time to do pizza? Like, is there time to even (laughs) have a drink? Like, it's hard. And uh, Robert says, my favorite is eggnog. And... Uh, did was one of our listeners asking if you can get eggnog year round? Did you or did you were you? No, just I just wondered that? because people like there's just some things you know that you can only get a certain time of year. We had previously said when we talked, I think around you know Easter time, how we love those um, chocolate eggs that you can now get year round. And oh, so the, it's the mini eggs, the mini eggs, and I understand they do it to make money. But would you drink eggnog year round? Like, can you actually get it? I don't. I don't remember the last time I tried eggnog. I don't either. I, I, I don't know that I've ever actually tried it as an adult. I hated it when I was a kid. I've certainly never had rum and eggnog. At least I don't think I have. I got eggnog in October. Oh, you did? Yeah. It was in the store for some reason. I don't know. And I was like, hey, I'm going to grab it. Did you drink it? Of course I drank it. I don't know. And it's do you delicious. drink it without rum? Like you just drink yeah, it as no, a drink? I, I, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. The combination of rum and eggnog. I, like, it's probably good. I just, I've never had it. So you just drink the eggnog? Yeah. Okay. Normally, this is where we put on our couch potato hats and tell you what's new at the movies. 
We're just going to push that aside for this segment. We'll find someone else, somewhere else to do it. Because we've got something special for you here. Just over two weeks ago, we spoke to a Manitoba woman who shared the story of her teenage son who lost three of his fingers in an accident over the summer. And he's still playing hockey at a high level with the U18 AAA Winnipeg Thrashers. And we've been looking for an opportunity to speak to her son. And Loren, that opportunity has arrived. So his name is Caden De La Cruz. And this weekend, he's in the U18 AAA Showcase, which features the top 68 players in the league. Good morning, Caden. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. And I'm happy that you're joining us because I was away when Brett and Greg spoke to your mom. So thank you for taking the time. And and because lots of people wouldn't have heard that discussion, or at least not everyone, what happened over the summer? How did you hurt yourself? Uh, So I was out at like a friend's cabin, my brother's girlfriend's cabin, which uh, I'm friends with like her brother. So we were just out. It was just like a normal, like kind of just like get together, having fun. And then they have, like, a side-by-side and some quads. So we went out uh, to, like, the, some of the sand dunes there with some of their friends. And then we were kind of just, like, going around, you know, just, like, having fun. It was all just, like, normal stuff. And then me and my brother, we were in the side-by-side together. And we were kind of up on the higher part of the sand dunes. So the sand was, like, pretty hard. It was almost like cement. And we kind of took a tight turn, a tight turn like the wrong way. And then when I guess maybe went too hard on the gas and something caught under the tire, flipped onto my side and my hand kind of went up. And then the roll bar of the side-by-side kind of crushed my hand. So that's, that's mostly how it went down. Which hand? Uh, my right hand. Okay. And which fingers did you lose? So I lost from my middle finger to my pinky. As my pinky and my index is probably lost the most, like over 75%, and then probably half of my middle finger. Is that your dominant hand, Caden? Yeah, it's my dominant hand. So according to your mom, Brett was telling me that she said you didn't let this really stop you at all. Like Up until the next day, were you kind of back at things, or how did it go? Yeah, so obviously I was pretty devastated, you know, that day. I was just, like, thinking of things, like, how everything would go down. Obviously, the thought of hockey on the way to the hospital was all I was thinking about. But got through that, so working back on the ice, which was nice. And then the next day, I was just focusing and, like, thinking, like, what would, like, my options be? We kind of brainstormed. I know my dad helped a lot. And then it was just going from there, yeah. Well, and like it didn't, and I, I seem to remember your mom, Shauna, saying something about the the day after it happened, or with a couple of days after it happened, you were driving. Yeah, so I have like a manual car, which I I didn't know if I'd be able to drive it, but like I think it was a day after that night, I asked my dad if we can go driving, and yeah, I was driving it, so it was nice to get back in there. And using your left hand on the stick. Uh, I was using my right, which I probably shouldn't have been, but it was working. What was that, you know, you talk about the feeling you had on the way to hospital and thinking about your hockey career, Caden, and then there you are the next day going out for a drive. Did you, did something in the morning, like, you know, you wake up and you just think I, I need to do this or tackle this or, or talk about what was mentally switched for you or that you had to switch in your brain in terms of how to tackle this? Well, yeah, that I know, like, nothing could change, so... It's how I made out of that situation. There there wasn't any point of me kind of like, like just sitting there like sad about it. Like there's nothing I could do. So it's whatever I can make better out of that situation. So you're right hand dominant, but, uh, understand, but you shoot left, right? Yeah, shoot left. So it's my top hand. And uh, now how did the, the Winnipeg Jets tie into this because I understand that uh, somebody who works in the organization helped you out with some special equipment. Yeah, so um, one of my like hockey um, uh, kind of like trainers, his name's Daryl Munch, he kind of um, connected me with him and then so we went down to the um, Jets Arena together and then they kind of I don't it was like amazing how they did it or how he did it. He just looked at my hands, kind of, you know, assessed it, 
think, thought of things that would work. The next that we looked it over, he was already stitching within like the next two hours. He's working on it. And then the next day he had a glove ready for me. So the glove kind of like pulls. It's like a pulley system where you kind of tighten it and it pulls uh, the rest, what I have left of my three fingers over my stick. So it's kind of acting like I'm grabbing the stick with those fingers. So that's how that works. And it works pretty good, actually. We'll talk about that. When you're on the ice now and, and you're playing, have you had to change anything? Or because of this this new glove, is it sort of the same same old? No, honestly, like everything everything feels the same. I feel I feel the exact same how I played, so which is good. And I, I feel even better, actually. Well, I would imagine that, you know, something like this happens, you, as you pointed out, you were, you were devastated. And I think a lot of us were, would be faced with a choice at that point. It's either give up, like, I can't do this thing that I love anymore, or you can just figure it out. And yeah. based on everything I've heard, you figured it out real quick. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So this weekend, what's happening at the showcase? Uh, so we're playing two games, one game Saturday and one game Sunday. It's the top 68 of um, AAA, so it should be a good time. Now, do, do you were you surprised that you got selected or that you made the cut? Uh, I thought I thought I should have. I thought I played. I've been playing a good game. I've been confident in my game, so it's good. It's good, and it's an honor to be selected into the showcase. What position are you? Are you are defense? Yeah, I'm a defense. Yeah. So, in, in terms of the physicality out there, is that also still the same too? Because uh, I know my kids are just getting into this age bracket, but it can get pretty intense in, at your level and what you're doing. Yeah, it can get it can get pretty rough, pretty dirty, <laughs> but. No, yeah, everything's been fine. I'm a smaller defense, but I like to play bigger games, so that hasn't stopped me. So, no, it's pretty good. Do you ever have moments where you're, 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 you're sad? Or do you just, is it always just full steam ahead? <laughs> it's mostly always full steam ahead, but there's always a few times when, you know, I'm like, I can't do something, but I try and work my way around everything, so. Well, kudos to you for that attitude, Caden, and to your parents for what they've done to help you through this and to the, the folks at the Jets who helped with that glove. Um, I, we really appreciate you taking the time to share your story. Yeah, of course. And what's, before we let you go, Caden, what's next for you after the Thrashers? Because I understand you were, you were trying out uh, the MJHL, was it? Yeah, so um, I played ready like uh, – like substituting him for injured players for uh, the Celtics Steelers of MJ, where their coach has really helped me. His name's uh, Hudson. So he's really helped me there. And yeah, so that's probably my next step is going up to Junior A in the MJ. Well, that's remarkable, Caden. So th- thank you so much for joining us. Have fun this weekend. Go kick some butt. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Caden Dela Cruz, this weekend he is in the U18 AAA Showcase, which features the top 68 players in the league. He is a member of the Winnipeg Thrashers. And again, he lost three of his fingers in the summer in an accident. Didn't slow him down at all. And uh, he's still playing. And by the sounds of it, he's kicking butt against everyone else. So good for him. Waking up the next day after something like that and just saying, I, I have to figure out a way, you know, as he said, there's no point sort of wallowing in it. That's hard for us on, on days where all I have to do is get out of bed. You yeah. Know? And, and then when you add anything else, that's a challenge, whether it's physical or mental, that's a great, a tremendous story for Friday, Brett. Yeah. Like I was, uh, you know, it's always inspiring when you see stuff like that. Like I saw a video the other day of a guy who on, lost his right leg mm-hmm. and he's out there, on his left leg, just the left leg, playing golf. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't even think about how that would work, and here he's figured it out. So it's just pers- good perspective, right? Like, yeah. and, I, and I think too, you know, my kids are just U11 or sorry, U13, U15. So one's just getting into the, the hitting now. And so when I said to him about the intensity, like it just it just keeps going and going. The older you get, obviously, and so you have to be strong going into any game. Even when it's just regular hockey, let alone U18, triple yeah. A, and you've, you're missing fi- fingers just a few months ago. I mean, come on. Way to go, Caden.
want to talk about something. And I almost feel guilty doing this today because Greg is off today. But earlier this week, he got a message from someone asking if we would be willing to help with their pitch to try and get Rusty into the Citizens Hall of Fame. So first of all, if you don't know, the Hall of Fame is an initiative started by the Manitoba Real Estate Association. They take nominees every year, and if selected, you're basically immortalized in what looks like a, a garden of bronze busts at the Cinnaboyne Park. And on the list of previously selected listen, citizens, and there's a, a long list, there are people like Nellie McClung, uh, Terry Fox, and more. Our next guest would like to see Rusty joined that group. Rusty the dog. Now, Rusty was the soft, red-furred pooch who always sported a pair of Buddy Holly glasses, clocked more than 2,000 volunteer hours at St. Boniface Hospital. He passed away in 2020. George Ames was Rusty's proud owner and joins us now live on 680 CJOB. George, hello again. Hello to you. Nice to talk to you again, George, and just thinking about Rusty has a really big, dumb smile on my face. But before we get into this pitch for the Hall of Fame, let's talk about Rusty a bit, because as you reflect on his life, what do you remember him for? Well, Rusty um, uh, was a legend, they say, and he wasn't just a legend in his own mind. He became a, a symbol to nurses, to doctors, to medical students, to patients, to visitors to the hospital. Um, as one of the free press writers said a few years ago, uh, he was a beacon of hope to many who were struggling in some way. And uh, to me, that was a compliment to him. Um, you mentioned that some people would like to see Rusty in this Hall of Fame. And it was not my initiative. It was the, the initiative of some of his supporters, especially Jan Courier, um, who went to a great deal of trouble to put together all the awards and accolades and letters of reference that Rusty received uh, after he passed away. Rusty, I can recall stories, you know, not just at the hospital, George, but being at one of the groups that helps some of our homeless in this community. And I remember someone who lives on the street saying, you know, Rusty, I can just pet him and hold him. And th there's no judgment, no judgment from the dog whatsoever. Yes, he was special. It's uh, some people have said that he was one in a million and maybe he was, uh, maybe all dogs have the potential to be much better than we realize, but Rusty over 13 years and over 3000 total community service hours uh, did catch the imagination uh, and delight of, of so many people. And uh, I know Jen Currier would say, I can just picture Rusty in that Hall of Fame and all the people that would come and visit him in the park, take pictures, send them to people that knew Rusty from their many years. There, there are medical students who are now graduate doctors all across Canada who claim that Rusty helped him them get through medicine and their first few years in the hospital where they were actually terrified to see patients after doing all their studies, but they always do go through that and then they become fine doctors afterwards. But Rusty was a distraction. He was, uh, you know, after he died, he wrote letters to all his many Facebook fans and said that, uh, I would like to leave a legacy to you. I would like you to smile at other people like I did. And he said, it worked for me. I made many friends. So, um, he was special. What kind of dog was Rusty, by the way? Well, he uh, he was a Humane Society short-term stay guy um, who was a blend of maybe all good things that a dog should be. And he could sit up there majestically and, and just attract people in. He could smile at them in some ways and make them feel like they were welcome to come and talk to him, tell them their problems and, and listen to them shake his paw, and uh, it was something to see. So the Citizens Hall of Fame, I was going through the list this morning. There's also people like Israel Asper, um, William Stevenson, Sir William Stevenson, who was, I think, the, the guy who the James Bond character was after in the book. All sorts of different names. I don't see any animals on the list of previously selected people, people unless I'm wrong. Has an animal ever been inducted before? No, but there are famous animals uh, that everybody knows about. Lassie, Rin Tin Tin, even Winnie the Pooh, um, who were not true citizens, but they were, they were icons to the public. And uh, I'll bet you uh, 
there's a very good chance that a lot of more people know Rusty than some of those other people. No, no discredit to them. Uh, last year's uh, winner, uh, a very worthy winner, uh, Murray Sinclair, senator and indigenous senator, um, beat out Rusty, I guess. And Rusty has one more chance to be nominated and uh, maybe sit next to Terry Fox. And and uh, years ago, there was a picture of Terry Fox, the bronze bust, on a cold winter day. Someone put a toque and a scarf around him. And uh, maybe they'll do that for Rusty one day, too. Our guest is George Ames, who was the proud owner of Rusty the Dog, who has been nominated for Winnipeg Citizens Hall of Fame. And Rusty was a volunteer at St. Boniface Hospital. And I'm curious about a couple of things with Rusty. The first one is, how was that? Like, I don't know that I've ever met a dog who's so calm. Because for a dog who encounters as many people as he did during the day, I don't think I ever saw him agitated once. So how did, how was that just how he always was? Or, or did he develop that sort of calm demeanor over time? I, I think he did improve over time. He certainly wasn't on tranquilizers, as some people thought he must have been. Um, he just knew his job. His job was to be a, a warm, welcoming distraction. And um, I guess people like Jan Curry are hoping that he will carry on that in Assiniboine Park one day as people come by. And, and they will remember a dog um, as much or more than they will remember someone else who uh, is a human being. And the second thing that I was curious about is how did you get him to leave the glasses on his face? Because anytime I've tried to put anything on a dog, they might let it sit there for 10 seconds, but then they, they're, they're pawing at it, trying to get it off. And uh, he, he I don't, I've never seen Rusty without the glasses. Well, I, I kid when people ask me the same question, Brett. I said uh, that my wife, Linda, told Rusty that he looked very handsome in those glasses. And maybe it was his vanity or lack of vanity or whatever it was that he just felt that was part of his uniform. And uh, um, he kept them on. And and my new dog, Hero, who is a very cute little Siberian Husky who makes a very great first impression, will wear those glasses, but not as well as Rusty. Mm. Just something about that dog. I can tell you, I love putting glasses on our dog, Moose, George, but they never stay on. He'd eat them, I think. In short order. It is a challenge. Well, before we let you go, this pitch is happening next week, George, and then... Uh, yes, it is. And if selected, how quick the bu- do the bus go up? I, I don't know. That is, uh, it's, a, it's a very generous um, uh, sponsorship by the Winnipeg Regional Real Estate Board. Uh, they founded the Citizens Hall of Fame in Assiniboine Park some years ago, and uh, it's been moved around a little bit, and it's got a very nice location now, apparently. Um, but uh, it is a, a spring announcement, I believe, usually. Well, good luck to you. And, and before you go, I want to share you a text from listener Chris. He just texted to say, in 2019, my wife's father passed away at St. B just after Christmas. After leaving his deathbed, I was exiting the hospital, and there in the lobby was Rusty. He made all the difference in the world to us that day. Yes, Rusty and I uh, worked palliative care for many years, and... Uh, he was the star. I was the handler. Um, but he made a huge difference to both patients and families. And I, people ask me why I do this kind of work. And I say, just maybe, just maybe I'm thinking that maybe one day I'll be in a hospital bed, hoping that a guy will come by with a dog. And uh, Rusty did it for so many people. He deserves uh, all the credit. George James, thank you very much for speaking to us today and bringing this to our attention. We really appreciate it. Very good. Thank you. George Ames joining us live on 680 CJOB. Once again, Rusty the Dog from St. Boniface Hospital has been nominated for the Winnipeg Citizens Hall of Fame. And, ah, gosh, I hope he gets in because Rusty deserves it. He was such a wonderful dog. And uh, just the, he was just a big, fluffy, handsome guy. He was such a good boy. Good question on the glasses. Like, I cannot believe that dog Kept them on like that. I know. That's an. That's it. If you have a pet out there that you're able to dress like that, like where they would f- keep physical glasses on, let us know. That's got to be a rarity.
Gary McNabb Mackling is off today in our next half hour at 9.35. We will speak to Manitoba-born, internationally renowned harpist Janelle Nadeau. She's doing a show on Tuesday at Club Region Event Centre, A Prairie Christmas with the Nadeau Ensemble. And we had her in our studio a few years ago at Polo Park, and uh, she's a wonderful woman. And uh, just looking at the harp, just that sitting out there right now, it's such a beautiful instrument. And she's going to play it for us and for you at 9.35. But right now... You know, I like when Greg does the intro for this, but Loren, I, I think I almost enjoy it, if, if not as much, maybe even more ah. when you do it. She's on TV down the hall. Her name <laughs> is Gabby. She's fine. She's, I like her. She's okay. I like her enough. <laughs> I like you a lot, Loren. I like you a lot. I like you a lot. I came in here all giggly this morning because mm-hmm. at 6.04, I said to Brad, guess what Gabby just told me about the... Snow root parking ban. Yeah, that I'm I'm a chump. I've been <laughs> running out to repark my car in a sketchy back alley because I thought the winter root parking ban just automatically went into effect November first. No, sir, it does not. City confirmed this morning it is not in effect. I've been doing that every night for, for nothing. thirty days. You've been doing it. Pretty, well, I, I mean, yeah, ish. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm at home, Lauren, I do that. But yeah, I, but what a waste of time. My, my gosh, she comes down the hall and she's like. Maybe you'll know this. Is there a <laughs> snow ban in effect, parking ban in effect? And I said, no. She's like, forgot. Yeah. Yeah. There was no expletives after you learned that. Devastation. I've been spending so much time. Anyway, I digress. She is the host and anchor of Global News Morning, by the way. Gabrielle Marchand. <laughs> oh, you didn't, I didn't do enough of an expletive. She accumulates a lot of parking tickets. I'm paying for a lot of city services with my snow route parking tickets. So you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> but I was also it was kind of taking a friendly shot at her. Like, you're a news anchor. Oh, you should. Oh, no. It's hard to keep up with all these different rules. Have you not ever gone to one of the parking signs in the city? You know, like. The, uh, that are stuck to the posts oh, yeah. and there's seven different yeah. scenarios that you're trying to walk yourself through like so before four but not if I carry my alpaca with me and if I don't have <laughs> like it's all these very specific I can't even oh yeah yeah I got and I, and I got I got screwed by that at outside St. Boniface Hospital because I had parked there one day and it was fine but so I parked there again on Monday and then I got a ticket well that's because it was okay on Saturday not on Monday Monday so, no fun day yeah so there you go. Who earns? So on the subject of parking, then, one of the things we happen to talk about this week, Abby, is parking beefs, because I had encounters with not one, but two lurkers waiting for me to get out, like to move my car out of my spot. I'm like, you're just going to sit there for three minutes, five minutes, however long I choose to sit here until I, the, I'm not moving for you. I'll for move you, when I'm ready. So See, I get kind of nervous sometimes, like maybe this is being a woman, but uh, I'll go to a park somewhere. And if there are people who are lurking in the vehicles, <laughs> like if you're lurking in your car and you're just sitting there, I start to wonder, especially if I have a lurker on my right and a lurker on my left, I'm like, am I about to be kidnapped? Is yeah. this taken? Like, should I get out? Should I, <laughs> should I also lurk? Are we all lurking together? Is this a group lurk? So I, I can also see that situation where you don't want to leave because you don't know what the person beside you is up to. But you're talking about people behind you in the parking yeah, lot. Yeah, like they're waiting for you to get out. They see that you've got just gotten in your car. They're like, ooh, a spot's about to open up. Because one happened on Black Friday, and it was already busy by the time I was leaving. And you're like, noon. I want to send 17 texts and check my Instagram before I leave the parking lot, or what? Yeah, and I just wanted to give <laughs> like my car. Or like, eat my hot dog from Costco or whatever. <laughs> I yeah. want to eat my hot dog. You know what? If that was me, I would just hold my hot dog out the window. Like, clearly I'm busy. I'm I am busy. Yeah. I actually got out of the car and yelled and said, did you just honk at me? They honked you? Yeah. Oh, and I said, I'm not, I'm like, go somewhere else. I'm yeah. not pulling out of this spot for another two minutes. So you can either sit there and wait for two minutes or go find another spot. Good for you. Um, so I hate the, the parking beefs. So then we also talked this week about food disappointment because I was craving nachos the other day. And I went to the store specifically to, to grab a bag of the La Cochina tortilla La Co- chips mm. made in Manitoba. They're the best ones. They didn't have any. And if they did, I couldn't find them. So I just grabbed whatever random bag. I'm like, anything at this point, anything will do. And I was wrong because I made them and then I took my first bite and I, no. oh no, these no. they're lime flavored. It's too much lime for sure. I had an experience this week. Lorena already had to hear me rant about Napoleon as a weird, boring movie with not enough violence. So I won't get into that. But we went to Napoleon at the VIP theater at McGilvery. Mm. Did not know you could order like a four course meal there. So we got an appetizer, get this. We get coconut shrimp, a hamburger with French fries, chicken fingers with Caesar salad, 
and mini donuts with salted caramel. <laughs> Where did you put it all? Did it all come at once? Because they know they have the side little yes. tables, but that doesn't seem like there's enough room. For it the- was piling up. The theater wasn't full, so we had some on each side. So delicious, but the potatoes, the fries were not salty and they were kind of like cold mm. and soggy, sort of cardboard like when fries become like that. I couldn't believe how amazing the food was and the cost. Like really, what a deal. I only want to eat three course meals at movie theaters going forward. <laughs> Did you know this is a thing? Like you can just get coconut shrimp yes. at the movie? I've only been there once and I only, I think, had the wine, shocker. But I <laughs> but I would I looked at the menu and thought that looked good. And she brings up a good point on fries. That is a chronic food disappointment yeah. when you pull oh, away yeah. from the drive-through yeah. and you reach in and you're like, yeah, this is going to be an ah old fries. Yeah. 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 It's kind of an art because I don't, I don't like when the fries are like piping hot, like fresh right out of the fryer. Yeah. But maybe that's a good thing if you, if it, you're getting it drive-through because by the time maybe you get to where you're going, the fries have reached a more acceptable temperature level because you don't want them to be like at a good temp when you get to the car because then they're going to be cold by the time you get home. And they need to be salty, right? They got to be standalone because otherwise I need to dip them in gravy. And we didn't get gravy with this 14-course meal. So, you know, all the things. I I was aware of the the meal situation there, but I got to be honest. I think I've only been to that theater two or three times, but I just get popcorn. Like yeah. I, mean, I can't eat a meal because I gotta have popcorn. That's but, the hard part. That's all I want. True. Yeah. I want to try the other good things, but in the end, I really only want the popcorn. How about this? Because Grant Park, we've talked about this, is by far the best movie theater popcorn. Grant Park popcorn. They must put something in it. It's amazing. And then a hot dog on the side. That's a good idea. Hey, speaking of Grant Park, tickets our latest tickets and treats couch pole tatoes winner is Sharon Greenberg. So congratulations, Sharon. You get yourself a Tickets and Treats voucher for two for Landmark Cinemas. And the question that is up at CJOB.com, Godzilla Minus One opens in Canada this week. What's another giant monster movie that you would root for to beat Godzilla in a fight? King Kong, (laughs) the Graboids from Tremors, Cloverfield, or Jurassic Park? Cast your vote at CJOB.com for Couch Pole Tatoes. Gabrielle Marchand, thank you for joining us. I want to see Jaws versus Godzilla in the ocean. Ocean edition of Godzilla. Like a megalodon. Like the Meg. Meg! The Meg versus Godzilla. Gabby is on Global News <laughs> Morning, Friday. Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Global Winnipeg. It's McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today. We asked you today, just what's a December tradition you look forward to? Whether it's something you like to eat or something you like to drink or something you like to wear or something you like to do once December hits, what do you like? Gary Jenkins, a lot of people saying, of course, eggnog. Gary Jenkins says President's Choice has chocolate eggnog and it is incredible, particularly with a good dark spiced rum. And P.S. It freezes. Uh, so in, that's interesting. Rum's your drink? Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. But is it dark or white? I, or light I, or whatever it's called? I mean, I'll, I'll go with whatever, but typically it's white. Sometimes I like spiced. Sometimes I like amber, okay. depending on what it is. Uh, but Adam, this is interesting from Adam Strauman, who says, uh, eggnog, because we were wondering, like, can you get it year round? And we have had some people say, I think you can. And another person said they actually re-released it this past spring hmm. in more spring-like packaging. But Adam says, typically it's out late September till late January. We love it at our house. Even my kids now drink it. It's in our fridge from the time it comes out till it goes away. At least a two liter a week. Should only be drank straight. Or with coffee. And Adam says, I am a rum drinker and rum ruins the eggnog. Oh, interesting. I was saying to you I wouldn't do it if I didn't have the rum. Because both (laughs) you and I haven't tried it since I think we were kids or something. I can't recall the last time. Ray from Minnedosa, it's simple. Ray says, Toblerone chocolate bar melted for a chocolate fondue. There you go. Way to go, green guy. And then uh, this what this is uh, this actually really made me smile. A yearly tradition between me and four friends is to get together close to Christmas and watch the Trailer Park Boys Christmas special. Can't recall how many years we've been doing this, but it's got to be at least 12 years now. Always a highlight of the year as it is hard for all of us to get together at the same time these days. So good for you for keeping that tradition alive. And I think maybe that's another reason why I enjoyed the Christmas drinks. For example, one of them is with my friend Mike, who outside of golf almost never get to hang out anymore because he's a busy family man. But this is like he starts asking me about this in October. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's like it's like I got a, I I get my Christmas hall pass, so to speak. Not to put a negative, but no, the, I the, hear you. He, he, it's it's just that there's activities, there's things to do, there's kids to get to bed, all those kinds of things. But then you get a little looser around Christmas. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. But our winner, Loren, who actually weighed in with a couple of good ones, is Noren. Noren first said, "Funny you were talking about Advent calendars because we talked about how they're everywhere now with all sorts of things." Noren says, "I always make my husband a golf Advent calendar." Didn't have the time, so I decided to get him a beer one this year. Went to the LLC last night and saw this and thought, why wouldn't I get the After 8 chocolate one for me and he gets the beer? So I bought this for both of us. We needed to get some wine for the holidays anyway. And then she had another uh here. And she added, I asked her what did those cost? And she said it was 190 bucks for the two. But mm. uh, she says the wine, it's equivalent to six, 725 milliliter bottles. And uh, the wine, some of the wines they don't sell in Manitoba because it's from France. So that's pretty cool. And Noreen also says December 1st means I get to use the tablecloths my Baba made a long time ago, the cotton ones for everyday use and the hand stitched one for Christmas Day. They are over 70 years old, and they wash like a dream. Great memories of Christmas dinner at Baba and uh, Gigi's house and get to carry on the traditions with my children. Beautiful. I love it, Narin. Thank you for that. You're the winner. So congratulations, Narin. You get to pick either a vehicle pass for Canadians Winter Wonderland at Red River Exhibition Park, which starts tonight, or... Ram Motorsports coming to Canada Life Centre February 3rd and 4th. Bumps. Yeah. I already said I was like gonna cry. <laughs> we are thrilled to welcome our next guest back to the studio. It's been a few years now. We were still at our Polo Park location. She is a Manitoba-born, Vancouver-based, internationally renowned musician, and she is here with her beautiful, beautiful harp. And playing, I think, my favorite Christmas carol, which is why it maybe is catching me off guard this morning as I wipe away my tears. Her name is Janelle Nadeau, and she is bringing the Nadeau Ensemble to Club Region Even Event Center this upcoming Tuesday for a Prairie Christmas, a family-friendly show featuring Christmas classics. And we will give away tickets at the end of this segment. Janelle, hello there. Thank Hi. you once again for coming in. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. Just the, the way it, it, rever, it like somehow reverberates into my soul. I don't know if that's cheesy or whatever, but the second you start playing that wonderful instrument, which is just so mystical and magical to look at, uh, I, I'm I'm like genuinely giddy right now <laughs> Thank uh, you. looking at this. So, okay, you're Manitoba-born. Where yeah. in Manitoba? Fanestel, Manitoba, off the number two highway. Is that your home base when you come back to Manitoba? So Certainly. Yeah, I come back all the time. I'm in Vancouver for most of my life, but I come back for multiple reasons. I've got two young kids. I've got my family here. We have a family farm and, you know, I'm the combine operator. So it works out really? pretty well. Absolutely. Combine and swather operator. Absolutely. Good for you. I think I'm doing what I did the last time, which is Googling where this Fan town cells. is. Southwest of yeah. St. FX? Uh, like well, St. From, it's actually just south of Eli. So if you go oh, straight okay. west down the number one. So about a half an hour out of the perimeter. So how did you decide? I want to, you know, mom, dad, I, I want to play the harp. You know, like a, <laughs> not not a, like a clarinet or a flute, but like one of the the larger instruments in the uh, ensemble. Well, actually, I don't think my parents knew at all what they were getting into. My parents took me to the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra and Lorena McKinnon when I was about three years old, and according to them, I was enamored. It's all I wanted to do. I wanted to play this instrument. And I wasn't going to give anybody a choice. And I was a very easygoing child. So the fact that I was so adamant about this to them really meant that I wanted to do it. And, uh, and yeah, so I started when I was seven and uh, with Richard Turner. He's the man with the Winnipeg Symphony. And I never stopped. I loved it. Is there like a harp store one goes to to pick up a harp? <laughs> you know, Where do you find this? Very good question. But these harps here that I have today, this is a big pe- uh, pedal and classical harp. Really, the only place you can buy them is in Chicago. Hmm. Really? Yeah. And are so, they? Do you? Is it then a custom made? 
purchase, or you can walk into a store and try out six different kinds of harps. Or- well, you can go into their into their kind of their space in Chicago, and you can play a few different ones. But a harp like this takes over a year to make, so you really only have access to whatever is coming down the line at that point, and there may not be many. So, especially since the pandemic, we really only have a choice of one or two at mm-hmm. a time. It's crazy. Yeah. I seem to remember the last time you were here with us back when we were at our Polo Park studio that you had a, a di- like a smaller harp. Am, am I remembering that correctly? You are remembering that correctly. That one is a lot easier to transport because that one's only about 13 pounds. This one's about 90. But, you know, it's so beautiful, and I, I wanted to treat everyone in here this morning. And do they do they produce different sound, like depending they on— They certainly do, yeah? yes. So the bigger ones have a lot more sound, and uh, you can get— different kinds of music out of the bigger one as well, because I actually have pedals. So I play with my feet as well. So it creates all the black keys of the piano, whereas my smaller instrument only creates a couple of the black keys of the sharps. So when moving this, does it come, it can't break down into pieces, Unfortunately, Because the strings are all through it. Yes. So there's a case for this. Yes, basically. And then we just need a very large vehicle that it can lay flat in. So really, this is a whole ordeal, you know? (laughs) It's not easy. Like what about like the what about air travel? Oh, good question. So basically, uh, so with our uh, tour, our group that we're touring with right now, I will be playing in Edmonton and I don't have a harp there. So I'm renting from people. And this is what we do even globally. Anytime you travel, you have to connect with people who play pedal harps and just plead with them, kind of show them your you know, bit of your resume or your bio to let them know what kind of caliber of musician you are so that, you know, you won't break their instrument. And uh, and then you just hope that someone's kind enough to rent their instrument to you. Because you wouldn't want to check a, a suitcase these days, let alone <gasps> no. a harp. No, it's, it's, <laughs> that sounds like an absolute nightmare to me. So no, I won't do that. Well, and like you've had, you know, you talk about the caliber of musician. I mean, you've had a heck of a career. You're getting to play with some huge names in music like The Who and Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam to Liam Gallagher from Oasis and Bocelli and more. So like growing up in Fanistel, did you ever imagine that this is where you'd end up? That not only would you have a career doing this, but that it would go so well? Well, uh No, the short answer is no. I really never imagined this. I always wanted to play. I knew that I wanted to play. I love sharing my music. And I don't care which capacity this happens in. As long as somebody wants to listen and I get to do that, I feel honored and I feel like, you know, my soul is happy and I'm doing what I dreamed of. So anything on top of that is really icing on the cake. Is the music the same for, say, playing with The Who versus Bocelli versus orchestra, are you playing the same type of sound and it's just going with theirs? Yeah, very good question. We get handed sheet music, just like you would in the symphony, and you get handed your part, excuse me, and you get to like count your bars until you come in. The only difference is like, for example, I've also played with Frank Sinatra Jr. That gig, we had some of the original parts, so we weren't allowed to have any of that music in advance. But the, excuse me, the Who, for example, we're given that in advance via PDF. Okay. Do do you ever get to like shred, you know, like play some like heavier (laughs) stuff? Basically. Yeah. I mean, we get a gliss, you know, that's like, that's as much as shredding as we can usually do. (laughs) That, by the way, that might be like the the universal sound for relaxation. That's right. What you just did. That's right. It's like when a gong, you know, it signals that it's time to just quiet down. If people could have watched you off the top of our segment here, and I think you'll probably post your video on Instagram later just to look. It looks like your hands are floating. People might be familiar with what what a harp looks like. But do you actually have to physically work harder than it looks like to get that sound out of the strings? That's a good question. I feel like it. the answer is like a sort of yes. You know, you do actually want to pull. And there's quite a bit of tension on these strings. I was told once, and I have not fact-checked this, but there's something like 2,000 pounds of pressure on these strings. So you are actually physically pulling them to get a sound. And you pull harder to make a louder sound and less to make a softer sound. So depending on what you're trying to access, you do physically have to work harder. And I would say, you know, for a few minutes like this, it's not physically taxing, but like every single instrument, the more you do it, the more hours you put in in a day, you know, things start to take a toll on your back, arms, things like that. You must get a lot, an assortment of dumb questions, and I have an assortment <laughs> of dumb questions. I'm curious with when you talk about the the amount of pressure on those strings, like playing that instrument for your whole life. Are do your fingertips just get mangled? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, when I was a kid, I, I would definitely get 
uh, blisters, and those were a big pain. But now um, I have calluses, like guitarists. And like, can you like punch that. your fingers through concrete now? Are you, you know, like super? Uh, okay, super I will proud? tell you a funny story. When I was touring, uh, when I was in my twenties, with uh, it's called the National Youth Orchestra of Canada. We did this thing where it was just terrible. I would never do this today. However, we would see like which inst which musicians had the toughest calluses and we would test them by putting out a candle with our fingers. You know, it's like, <laughs> I know how horrendous is that, right? But um, so I will not be doing that anymore because I do not want to take that risk. Like in but your house, you're grabbing stuff out of the oven with your bare hands. <laughs> basically. Very, very close, very no close, very mitts. close. I'll very get close. that meatloaf. That's right. That's right. I'm fine. <laughs> um, so before we go, tell us about the show, A uh, Prairie Christmas. I am so excited about this. You know, I, first of all, just feel so honored that I get to do this in Winnipeg. Um, that's the first thing. I just feel like all the people in Winnipeg are just so warm. They love entertainment and gatherings and concerts. So to be able to play for my home feels wonderful. And then the second thing is I just feel so proud about what we've been able to put together this year. So we're four musicians, myself on the harp. We've got cello, bass, hurdy-gurdy, an assortment of medieval instruments. Actually, my harp is the like newest invented instrument on our stage, and that was built in the 1800s. Not this particular instrument, but the invention of the pedal harp. Everything else on our stage is older than that. You know, so it's very magical. It's very special. It's nostalgic. Every single song that we do is about Christmas and related to it somehow. You're going to hear favorites that we all know and love and certain ones that we don't know. Um, things, For example, we have a little Baroque suite uh, that is French uh, that was written in the 17th and 18th century. And then we have O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which was actually a Gregorian chant from the 12th century. You know, But we're bringing all of that to today. And, uh, and we tell stories, we read a little bit of literature, uh, we sing as well. So it's really, it's a mix of things. But the goal is to make people feel comfortable, make them feel better than when they walked in, and really put them in the Christmas spirit. Janelle Nadeau is her name. The show is A Prairie Christmas, the Nadeau Ensemble at Club Region Event Center. And we have a pair of tickets to give away. So call us right now at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win those tickets. And they will be waiting for you at Club Region Event Center on Tuesday. And before you go, and I kind of hate to do this. I mean, you brought the harp, but I sort of feel like, you know, make me a bicycle clown. Like, you know, can you play us off before of you course. go? Of course I can. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you so much. What a privilege. Wonderful. Janelle Nando, she's at Club Regent Event Center on Tuesday for Prairie Christmas. Janelle, thank you for coming in. We, we're very so thrilled to see you again. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure.